Well, welcome everybody to the Young Life Podcast, episode 11. So glad to have you guys with us. Look, here's the deal. We've tried to record this three times already, and my internet keeps blowing up. And so, you know, we're just, we're yeah. feeling frosty. We're good. We're ready to roll. So glad to have you with us. My name is Scott. I'm the Young Life Pastor Chilling. here at Mapleview. And why don't you guys take a quick minute and introduce yourself. Go. I'm Aiden. I'm a part-time Bible class college student streamer and i host the tl small group on at 7 30 on sunday nights and it's a, it's a class you should totally come out mm, good yeah stuff. make sure you join us 7 30 sunday nights face to face zoom to zoom and uh ben Aiden do an awesome job it's great come on uh my name's jake i go by shake and jake stanley at life 100.3 i'm on air street team and i'm a part-time thursday and fridays uh my name is Elliot. I host the Open Conference podcast uh, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. And I am finally York U alumni. We're done. Out. Yeah. Zilch. We finished. Easy well peasy. Done. Run it back. Let's keep going. <laughs> is this everybody? Everybody is like speed talking because we want to get it in before my internet blows up again. <laughs> Stephen Parsons, come install Rogers in my house. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, this week we're talking about. Uh, talk is cheap when the cost is high. And in our lives, we don't want to be people who just talk a big game. We want to be people who actually make a difference in the world around us. You know, one of the things I think is a blessing coming out of COVID is it's had us, it's had to make us ask the question, what does my faith look like when the natural routine is disrupted? You know, when I'm stuck at home, when I can't go to the uh, young life like I used to, my Sunday morning experience is different. Maybe the small group that I'm used to isn't meeting, whatever it might be. Uh, what does my faith mean to me? And how am I still going to pursue Jesus in a season where it doesn't look the same as it ever has? And, you know, uh, that's where talk is cheap when the cost is high kind of comes from. We want to be people who don't just talk a big game, but people whose lives are modeled after following Jesus, even when situations are not ideal, like we find ourselves in. You know, we find ourselves in a stay-at-home order, uh, for better or for worse, it's just where we find ourselves. We're not going to get into debating it. It's just where we find ourselves. <laughs> and so one opportunity that we do have in this season is to literally love our neighbors, to be people who see the five houses, two houses on either side, three across the street, the people around us as our sphere of influence and how we can influence them. Uh, do you guys know your neighbors? When's the last time, do you know your neighbors? And when's the last time you talk to your neighbor? Go. Yeah. Uh, my neighbor, he, uh, on the left, he does landscaping. He also does like this aerial photography. Sometimes he does paragliding. I think that's what it's called when they have like the big, big fan on their back, like a strap kind of thing. Super cool. cool. And then uh, my neighbors on the right, they have this little dog best, like really is a cute dog, but every time you go outside, it just barks and barks like crazy. But then you go over the fence and it's just like super afraid. So I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> What about you, Aiden? Thanks. Oh, Aiden uh, just moved. So he gets yeah, a mulligan, but he's going to go back, yeah. back on his last house. Okay. Go. My last house. Yeah. I, uh, I, I knew the neighbors, um, to the neighbors to my right. Uh, they, uh, wasn't their only house they in Russia and before COVID. So I haven't seen them in a very long time. Even if I did, it was just a little wave or whatever. And then the, my other neighbors, yeah, it's, it's, I don't really, um, honestly, like I don't really have much interactions with them besides the odd, like, Hey, or like yeah. the odd, uh, <laughs> how's it going? Tip of that. <laughs> the head, the yeah. head nod. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you. Okay. How about you, Elliot? Uh, the, okay. So I live on the end of my street. So it's just the, on the right-hand side, it's just a curb. So on the left-hand side, I don't know my neighbors really that well, other than, as Aiden said, just a simple hello. How's it going? Hope your day's going well or whatever. Uh, my neighbors across, I have known them from time. So like uh, the Laina says, our uh, family that I knew back in uh, Toronto when I went to a Spanish church. So like they're basically family. So we hang out all the time. We go over yeah, and watch awesome. Raptors. So it's we're super chill. Yeah, I so McCann lives in this house uh, almost going on, I don't know, I guess two and a half years now we live at this house. And I like we try to do our best, get to know our neighbors. You know, our neighbor's a little bit on the left. He's a butcher. He's a great guy. Our neighbors on the right are this nice Ukrainian family. There's a little bit of a language barrier, but they're really sweet and nice. And they throw like these Euro dance parties, which 
you'd think would be really annoying, but Mikhail and I think it's great. Sometimes Rose yeah. on our deck eating dinner, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're having a bomb. Like they're a great family, uh, but I find it hard lately. I feel like I feel like things have changed. Like nowadays, people get home from work, they grab their stuff, and they just kind of get go in the front door. That's what I find. Like. Mm. I, do you guys remember when you were a kid? It felt like everybody was hanging out on the street all the time, or at yeah. least like kids were getting out of their house. You were meeting tons of people. Like you knew people. Was that you guys? Were you guys ever the hang outside bike gang, road hockey kids? Like, do you, did you know the people on your street growing up? Yeah, uh, for me, it was a lot of street hockey. So it was a lot of moving the nets and then going to play. But yeah, car, yeah that was yeah, like right, exactly right. But now. Um, our just our area where we live they built a basketball court um where it was just like just a plot of land that wasn't being used so now they put a basketball court so now like like us like young adults and teenagers are all rolling up and playing 5v5s and just it's great you want to catch some l's guys come come join us at the court catch some l's get out what about you other guys what about jake and uh, aiden um yeah like i uh i kind of hung out with kids around uh but it was a lot of old people around my uh my neighborhood growing up but when i when i would hang out with neighbors it would be like i i had a playground in my backyard so we'd gather around my place and uh uh uh, hang there beside yeah no i uh, i live in thornton now lived here i think it's like 12 years but the prior 12 years of my life, I lived in Creemore and Creemore. If anybody's ever been to Creemore, there's not a bunch to do, um, but you can like bike around and like brew beer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go to the brewery, you know, <laughs> just on the main street. No, but we go like to the parks and stuff. And there's like the mad river, you can walk in the river, go fishing or something. It's a good time. Well, you know, like uh, times may have changed. And, and uh, what I think it requires from us is more intentionality. You know, I think we have to really uh, these relationships don't come by accident unless you've lived beside the same people your entire life. Like, you know, like over time, then a relationship may have formed. But if we're only people who are involved in actively uh, looking to care for people and love them and just show love on them, like we have to be intentional about that. It's not going to happen by accident. And, you know, in the current situation we find ourselves in, what better opportunity we have than care for the people on our street? Their mm-hmm. home, your home, no one's doing anything. Uh, can we encourage them? You know, can we let them know that we're there, that we want to be involved, we want to get to know them, even in such a simple way? Zechariah 410 says, Don't doubt the day of small beginnings. God loves to see the work begin. And if I could have a life motto, I think that should be it. Just like let's just start, even if there's small beginnings, to do good things. Mm-hmm. And today we have Pastor Laura Fess on the podcast to talk about. Uh, how to be available in our lives to the people around us. She's a pastor leader right now. She's working in social work and therapy. Uh, and her life is really just a life that she's made available to the people around her. Anybody who knows Laura and talks about Laura talks about how she's like the living embodiment of enthusiasm. Like she is just like the most uh, excited to see you welcoming available person. As far as when you're having a conversation with Laura, it's like she, like she's dialed in and that in and of itself is such a rare thing. And so uh, she just has amazing, in, amazing insight on how we can care for our community and we can care for our neighbors. We're really excited to have her join us. But before we jump into that, we have our young life download. Why don't you check it out right now before we jump in with pastor Laura Fess. Well, hey, everybody. Normally, uh, I have my message recorded at the church on an actual camera and not on Zoom, which I'm recording myself on right now. Uh, but for whatever reason, we lost it. And so, you know, this is, this is round two. But today is a simple challenge. Tonight, we want to talk about how the cost is high. And we can't be people who talk a big game, but don't actually live out and activate our faith. And, you know, one of the things I think has been awesome about COVID for all the things that have been terrible is that uh, it's actually put us back in the position to be in the driver's seat of our faith. You know, a lot of the routines of our faith uh, have been broken. Maybe uh, the schedule or the the small group or the way that you used to serve, you know, those things have all kind of been disrupted for better, for worse. And one of the benefits from that is that there's moments where we've had to ask ourselves the question, okay, well, what does my faith mean for me? 
Without the things that have become routine or schedule, uh, how does my faith look? How does it how is it lived out? How is it practiced? And how do I follow Jesus while still in this uh, situation that I find myself in? And you know, uh, this past year has really taught me that there are just some things that you cannot uh, overcome. There are just certain things you need to endure. And maybe you're feeling that way where it's just you have to endure and you got to stick with it and you got to see it through. And yet, how do we still be effective? followers of Jesus, not just because we are reading our Bible or praying, and and those are incredible things, but people who are actually making a difference in the life of someone else, even while we're stuck in this situation. Here's what Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And you know, I want to encourage you today that God wants to do something in and through your life, even here and now. And I know that can be a challenging thought when it feels like so many of the regular things of our life can be taken away and that we're not able to function how we normally do. And yet God is still wanting to do something if we are willing, if we're open, and if we are available. You know, a personal challenge for myself this past few weeks and months is that no one's life was ever changed by someone who chose to make excuses rather than make a difference. And you know, we want to be people where our lives make a difference, not excuses. And for the last year, our circumstances have not been ideal. And yet, God doesn't ask us to just be effective in ideal circumstances, but to be willing and able to go beyond the circumstances we find ourselves in, to lean into His power, to trust Him, and to be effective anyway, to reach out, to show love, goodness, kindness, graciousness to the world around us in whatever way we can in the season that we find ourselves in. Here's what James says at the end. And this is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of uh, the end of chapter one of James. It's called the Message Bible. <clears throat> it's a paraphrase of the real deal. And, and it's a great translation. This is, this is what he says. Post, all, post this all... Oh, fudge... Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let the gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a what he calls a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you're anything but letting the word go in one year and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and do not act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is not distracted or scatterbrained, but is a man of woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Verse 26, 27, anyone who sets himself up as a religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air, and it's hot air only. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father. This is reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption of a godless world. You know, there's a few things that James tackles here right off the top. First of all, he says, and this is probably one of my personal vices, stop talking and listen. Stop talking. He goes, uh, Eugene Peterson puts it this way, lead with your ears, follow with your tongue, and let anger straggle along behind because God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. And, you know, we've camped there before uh, this year. We don't have to dwell on it. But first thing off the bat, stop talking. Stop talking. Learn to listen. Learn to not get worked up, not get riled up. And then he transitions like, hey, while we're talking about listening, when we hear the word of God, if it goes in one ear and out the other, and we never actually act on what we believe, he says it's like someone who sees themselves in a mirror, walks away and forgets what they look like. And you know, I think there are moments when we see ourselves really clearly in the gospel. That's what the gospel does for our life. It holds a mirror up of who we are versus who Jesus is. And it reveals to us how good he is and how much we need him in our lives. And so when we walk away from that reflection and that moment of coming to understand the gospel and who Jesus is, and we do nothing with it, it's like we forgot that it even happened. 
And you know, we can't forget where we fit into the gospel. We can't forget where our lives fit into the gospel, that we have been people who have been saved or receivers of goodness, grace, love, mercy. And so our job is to now go and be an extension of that goodness, grace, and mercy in our lives, that people would come in contact with our life and they would understand the love of God because of who we are. It's this incredible challenge that James gives us. Verse 26 to 27, again, he says, anybody who sets sets themselves up as religious by talking a good game, you know, they're self-deceived. He says that they're hot air Christians. They're hot air people because real religion means that we actually go and we do something about it. And this is where I love that Zechariah 4.10 verse, because right now we're stuck at home and uh, we're in a stay at home order and we're really not supposed to be doing a whole lot of anything outside our house. And so uh, God blesses the small beginnings. It doesn't need to be this grand Instagram, famous, amazing moment where it's just this big thing to celebrate. It can be even just small, tiny gestures of choosing to go, make your life available, care and love someone else. No one's life was ever changed by someone who chose to make excuses rather than make a difference. And so what do we do while we're stuck at home? You know, here's my simple challenge to you that we would still be effective and on mission and want to be loving, kind, generous, and gracious to people around us. All of us have neighbors. And right now, our neighbors are really potentially our only sphere of influence. If you're working from home, uh, I'm in my basement currently. If you're working from home, the people around your house are probably the only sphere of influence that you have at the moment. If you live in a condo building, there's people down the hallway. There's people on floors above you, below you, whatever it might be, meet them in the lobby. If you live in a basement apartment, you have tenants or owners above you. We all have neighbors and people in our sphere of influence. And so here's my challenge. I want you to go to Tim Hortons, buy a 10-pack of Tim Bits, write a note, a card. Hey, I'm Scott. I live at blah, 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 blah. Uh, just thinking about you. I'm your neighbor. want to let you know if you need anything. This, this is me still writing the note. If you need anything, we're here for you. Uh, we're thinking about you guys. We just want to let you know that your neighbors are here. If you need anything at all, just make our lives available. Just a simple gesture. You drop off Timbits, you drop off a note, you give it to your neighbors, and you just try to be generous, kind, and loving. Don't doubt the day of small beginnings because God rejoices to see the work begin. And when we choose to begin the good work, God is faithful to return and create opportunities in our life where we actually get to go and demonstrate goodness, kindness, love, patience, peace, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruits that God's growing in us, we actually begin to demonstrate. But it requires us to be available and be the ones who are going to not doubt small beginnings even small gestures, just taking the time to get to know the people on your street and in your life. You know, it's just a simple thing. And so my challenge to you is, hey, let's not be self-deceived by being uh, full of good talk and knowing exactly what the best thing to do. And let's not just be people who know it all. Let's be people who do it all. Let's be people who actually reach out and make a difference, even where we find ourselves today. Grab some Timbits, write a note, And just let someone know on your street that you care about them this week. We have Pastor Laura Fest. Well, she's not a pastor right now, but she's, in my mind, she'll always be just amazing pastoral heart and ministry. And uh, she's joining us today to talk about how we can be believers who are effective in the middle of our current situation. So I want you to check it out right now, our interview with Laura Fest. Well, everybody, welcome, uh, Pastor Reverend, not Reverend, but Reverend in our hearts, Laura Fess, uh, joining us today. Uh, Laura, what have you been up to lately? Well, surviving COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and eating lots of good food. My husband is now smoking his own meat and making um, pasta from scratch. (laughs) I am literally living my best carb and meat-filled life thanks to COVID boredom. Um, And I'm working in Barrie and loving life. Yeah, that's awesome. And Laura's not pastoring at the moment, but she's got a huge pastoral heart and... (laughs) Uh, for years, she has invested and poured into many of the lives, probably your life at Mapleview. Uh, whoever's watching today, it's probably she was probably your youth pastor at some point or youth leader or whatever it might be. Uh, and so big fans of the Fest family in Barry here. Uh, but we want to talk to Laura because Laura has, um, well, from what I know of Laura, Laura's been able to live her life in this way, just a very open door. 
Like when you're talking to Laura, you're pretty much the only person in front of her. Or, that's, or at least she makes it seem like that. I, I'll brag <laughs> on her for a little bit, but uh, just a, a really open life and in, inviting. She just brings people in. And, you know, as we're in this COVID season where everybody's social distanced, to have the posture of having our life still open uh, and inviting to people can be really, really challenging, like something we really got to be intentional about. And so we wanted to ask you, Laura, over the last year, the yeah. routines of faith are no more or for many of us, whether you're yeah. watching online or your small groups not meeting, whatever it might be. Uh, and in a good way, it's probably put us back in the driver's seat of, OK, if my faith's going to mean something, I got to do something about it. Yeah. And so for the last year, what have you been doing uh, to help continue practicing following Jesus? Uh, well, the routine of faith has been disrupted. You know, it's funny because when I think back of my own like personal experiences um, growing up, like I got saved in my bedroom, not at a church, not at a altar call. And yeah. those are amazing times to get saved too. You know, but my, <laughs> my conversion was with my mom and dad uh, in my bedroom. And when I was like six or seven years old, I got um, baptized in the Holy Spirit while sitting in the van with my aunt who prayed for me. There yeah. was nothing that happened, just, just my aunt praying for me. And then what I would call my like secondary conversion when I was a teenager and had kind of had an identity crisis that happened in my bedroom alone. No mom, no aunt, just me alone. And yeah. I guess what this season has highlighted or just reinforced that genuinely the most profound moments of my spiritual walk have happened outside of the routine or the um, structure of what we consider to be church. Right. Yeah, totally. And um, I think that I was talking to my brother-in-law drew this week, who's uh, a great guy just to bounce things off of. And I was just running through like, what is church? You know, what is it? It's, it's like, whoa, can we start some deconstruction? You're going to ask me <laughs> yeah, you're 34 years old and you don't even know, but, but just because we are, we are grieving, right? We are lamenting because yeah. we cannot meet with each other, not the way that is tangible and tactile. And, you know, the, the 13 year old loves the greet someone with a holy kiss first. Like, but that's like in our soul, we want to tactilely experience life with people. And Drew was just saying that church is the, is a gathering. That's what it is. It's the gathering. Yeah. Um, but just because the gathering is not happening, doesn't mean that those personal experiences can't happen. Right. Yeah, and that they're not valid. Like that they're they're not significant. Like to to say that I, I you know there are thousands of believers around the world who aren't able to have or millions of believers around the world yeah. that aren't able to have the same experience we do. Totally. And part of my challenge coming through this is are we invalidating all the people who have to serve Jesus in a different way just based yeah. on where they are? Yes, we are. That is <laughs> what we are doing. <laughs> that is. Well, it's just doing. we don't yeah. have to like it, but but totally. you know what? There's there's grief, but then there's growing pains. You know what I mean? Like there's a part of it where it's okay. Well, if I'm now responsible to not, I hate the term "feed yourself," but if that's if I'm going to be responsible to actually put into practice my faith, yeah, uh, yeah, there's going to be some significant growing pains. I think that come through that. Yeah, and. Perfect can be grieving the gathering. Like I'm mm. grieving gatherings that are not um, liturgical church gatherings, just all gatherings. Yeah, I'm that's grieving, true. I'm that grieving true. my family. I'm grieving, you know, actually having my neighbors over for dinner. I'm grieving those things. But um, I, I think about it this way when it's like my own personal walk. So Mike and I lived far away for a few years from our friends and family. And we went into long distance relationship mode, mm -hmm. right? We, for two years, were no longer able to gather. I was not able to tactilely, tangibly hold my mom, hold my friends. It went into literally virtual relationships. <laughs> yeah. virtual You've been training for this. 
You guys have been training this for years. It's perfect. So the thing that's interesting, though, is just because I couldn't meet with my mom tangibly for two years, just because I couldn't meet with my friends that were still living here tangibly for two years does not mean that the relationship ceased to exist. Yeah. If anything, it evolved and it became something honestly really profound because you're right. Those two years of long distance actually prepared us for COVID. So I'm like, I know how to have friends I can't see. I've been doing this for a while. But it's like that with our relationship with God. If if the tangible tactile experience is what we're holding on to to validate the relationship that we have with him, then and COVID is a real stressor. Okay. Now I think COVID is a a source of grief, a hundred percent grief around the gathering, the church meeting tangibly, but I don't think COVID should be a stressor to our relationship. Well, and hopefully, hopefully it puts us in the innovation mindset of, okay, well, I can't do it this way anymore. And I can't, maybe I used to serve on this team. Maybe that was my outlet for whatever it might be. You know what I mean? And and there's a degree of it where, uh, if we're just consuming, then yes. yeah, this is going to be a challenging season. But if our faith evolves into <laughs> being a disciple where we're actually activated in the mission of the church, which is not just meeting together, but actually making a difference in the world around yes. us, you know, it might look different and it, but it doesn't mean that we can't still have a, a flourishing relationship with God because we chose to be yeah. active rather than feel like we're waiting for an ideal circumstance. And I think that's been the challenge of myself is the circumstance is not always ideal. And at least for North American church, circumstances have been pretty good. Like think about like for all the, for all the things that maybe we've been stressed out about or frustrated about or not the best. I think this is good perspective to go. No, things were pretty good. And if we weren't activated then, then we're definitely not going to be activated now. And totally. Eugene Peterson's translation, I use him all the time, the message, like a bad, oh, yeah. bad Christian, uh, talks no. about being hot air, hot <laughs> air Christians and people yeah. who, you know, we don't actually do anything with our faith. Like uh, we might know the latest Carrie Job song, but what does actually translate into uh, changing the world around us? And yeah. uh, the, the thought we've been circling around tonight is um, no one's life was changed by someone who chose to make an excuse to make a difference. And so how could people, even in the middle of a stay at home order, uh, make a difference in their sphere of influence? You know, you're not, maybe not very wide, but you got people on your street. How can people demonstrate making a difference? Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like, I think the pressure is to reinvent something, but it's like, no, let's uninvent it. Like, oh, that's a good, that's a good line. Tweet that that girl. Look at you go. Yeah, that's great. Twitter. Maybe I'll get it. I used to. Um, I bought followers once for the youth group here because I was like, we need to, we need followers and I'm just going to buy it. And then Ryan Coral found out. He's like, you bought them. I'm like, how else can you get them? And he's like, all those follow you. I was like, Oh, but they all those bot accounts, those bot accounts in China, they got saved. There's revival. <laughs> You're just contributing to the Chinese church. Amen. I receive it. Nothing's wasted, Laura. Yeah, no. So with my tweet, um, you know, I think about, I've used this kind of uh, example to explain. I, I picture life in stories or images is how I learn. But I think that church prior to what I really believe is a reformation, and that may be too strong of a word, but I really believe that we are in the middle of something of God reforming. But what happened? has been. And, you know, if you go to Walmart, go um, with the expectation that you are a consumer. Well, you go in whatever outfit that you want to wear that day, you grab a cart, you pick whatever you want or need off the shelves. If there is a mess in aisle four, you don't stop. Why would you stop? (laughs) You keep going. Maybe you're a saint and you stop, but you don't stop. Not if it's vomit, not if it's something disgusting, You, you keep going. And then you probably go to um, the basics, uh, doesn't do this anymore. So yeah, at Walmart, they pack your bags, you know, and you watch them put your stuff in the bag and then you leave, right? Well, if you go to Walmart and you're not a consumer, you're actually going as the role of the employee. It's a very different experience, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you probably 
probably put on the uniform before you got there. You know, you're not changing in the hallway. Totally. You put on the uniform and your mindset, you don't grab a cart and then just start picking things you want, right? You're looking for what is my role? What is my job here? And how can I serve? So if you walk by aisle five, you see the mess and you clean it. <laughs> if you don't, you're getting fired, you know, like, and if someone has food that needs to go in a bag, you don't stand there like the consumer and watch it happen. You take action and you do it. And I think what's part of this beautiful reformation is that I think that a lot of us, myself included, have been going into the week or into church or into our relationship with God as the consumer mentality. And that means this is about me, what I need this week, what I want this week. I don't want to get messy and I'm just going to leave. Please pack my bag. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas COVID has shut down all of those opportunities and has made us, especially as believers go, go, Oh, shoot. No one's going to tell me be here at six to serve on this team as part of this mandated, you know, bring five people to church in six weeks. Can you do it? (laughs) Or whatever the sticker is, right? And so for me in my life, I literally lived in this house (laughs) with two kids and neighbors. Um, And then I go to work uh, twice a week. That's it. I don't even go to grocery stores anymore. I do delivery. What is if I put on the uniform of Christ, my realm of influence is very small, but that does not mean it's meaningless. Totally. Right. And so when you have that mindset on, everything is an opportunity, right? Every, everything is a chance. So even sitting out on my deck, I heard, you know, we had neighbors move in. It was right before Easter. They just moved in. I heard a kid well, I'm like, oh, I put together oh, Ellis's leftover chocolate because I, you know, but it's okay. They will never know. Put it in a little bag and went over. And it's like, ah, you're a kid and here's chocolate because I don't need it because I'll eat it. And if you have it, it's better. Um, ah, and I'm sure it's terrifying experience for them, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's something where it's like, oh, there's a person. Oh, there's someone here. Oh, there's, you know, in the winter, there's shoveling that can happen. There's salts that can be sprayed. There's, do you need something? Our, you know, neighbors were COVID locked down for two weeks. You want us to pick things up? We can pick things up. Yeah. My life is about this big, but that does not mean it's meaningless. If I have the consumer mentality on that, I will watch every opportunity go by because I'm not even looking for it. Because I think it's about what I get off the shelf, right? But if you put on the uniform of, I don't know, Christ, you will start seeing things and hearing things. And yeah, and then you just get to live a life filled with meaning that's small. Could it be that a small life is a meaningful one? Totally. Like my life, uh, like this is the most Christian thing to say. My life verse would be like, don't don't doubt the day of small beginnings. Because God rejoices to see it begin. And yeah. it's gotta be our mentality. Of, yeah. And and I think this could be a whole side tangent. I won't go there, but like in, I think the Instagram social media platform of if it's not big, it's not explosive. It's not cool. It's not interesting. It's irrelevant. I think does to our detriment. And so because of that, we're really comfortable having a voice. We're not comfortable having a role. You know what I mean? Like we have, we have found a lot to say. We have not found a lot to do. That's yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I'll, I'll buy some followers, uh, but I think that's the challenge. Is is um, and I, I I've been talking with a few friends of mine, but a few friends of mine about this, like in how we disciple people and how we lead people to faith. Like, yeah. are we propping them up to have a voice and no role? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, uh, here's all the right things to say, and we're okay with that. But no, no, no. Here's here's how it actually is activated in our life and how it's activated. It, not even just in our local church, but in our community. How do we actually step into our community in a significant way? Yeah. So what, what would you say to the person who's feeling insecure about what they have to offer? Laura, you are very outgoing. It seems like you know a lot of things. I don't have any of those things. What do I have to offer? And if I got myself the situation where, you know, I actually got to pour into someone's life and I feel like I don't have anything to really give, what, what would you say to that person? Well, 
I would say that I'm honestly not very confident. I'm more bizarre, kind of scary, a little awkward, very weird. Okay. So, um, and I'm making a, it's making a massive assumption that anyone is being impacted by my life. <laughs> yeah. I could be the neighbor that people are like, Oh my gosh, she's outside run. <laughs> but, <laughs> I would say that, you know, obviously with work and everything, I believe in insecurity and I know about insecurity and insecurity can destroy your life. But I don't follow a self-help mantra about my security. Okay. I would say that I'm insecure 24 seven. Okay. That's mm. like naturally who I am. Um, because self-help mantras about becoming secure, I mean, they're just uh, fake it till you make it, just try to convince yourself mantras, right? And so for me, any evolution of my, what maybe seems like confidence is, be, is born out of be, just being God secure. Like to just really know I will never be enough. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be talented enough. I'll never be funny enough. I'll probably always be bizarre and awkward, but God made me this way. And so when that human part flares up, which happens every day, because I'm a hundred percent human still, isn't it crazy? Yeah, I've been saved totally. forever and I'm still a hundred percent human. <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, but that if you allow God to be the one that tells you who you are and you allow him to be the one that says, you know, I gave you this. And like, God didn't really necessarily give me skills. I mean, I have skills, but the way that I impact my, the world around me isn't like, Oh, I like to read books. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? It's not like we gave me skills. It, he gave me his spirit. Totally. Like that is the, that is what is trans could transform anything. And so when I'm feeling insecure, it lets me know, well, I'm thinking that I have something to offer this person. I have nothing to offer them, but I have the Holy spirit, which isn't me. It's him, you know? And so he's going to guide me. He's going to say it. He's going to, you know, edit me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. well, and making ourselves available. Like we were joking with the guys earlier that, it feels like people today, and it's it's of no fault of their own. People get home, they grab their stuff, they go inside, and they shut their door. Yeah, like, I remember like, as a kid. Nothing to do at home. <laughs> I remember. I knew my neighbors. I feel like the community that maybe it was I just lived on a good street, but I feel like I knew the people. Yeah. Around me, and maybe that's changed. Maybe that's maybe that's like a faux Canadian politeness, yeah. uh, or something like that. But but what I've found, especially right now, is people just need someone who's going to encourage them. Not in a cheesy way, not yeah. in a weird way, but if you're the voice in someone's life that's just, hey, we you're you're this. doing you're doing better than you think you are. Like yeah. stop beating yourself up. You're yeah. doing great. Don't sweat it. Like anybody, yeah. anybody can do that. And yeah. and not everything needs to be a skill convert. <laughs> yeah, or like conversion mindset. Like some oh. it can just be. It can just be. I want my life to emulate who I think Jesus would be right now. And if that might just be something encouraging, it might just be something life-giving to say, Hey, you're, you're doing amazing. Thinking of you guys dropping off a bag of chocolate. Like yeah. there's probably more lives changed through simple, small gestures. And I, I think there's parts of it. we got to create um, space for God to show up and do something in yeah. not just their life, but our life. And when we choose to make ourselves available, yeah, it's just, that's I all it think, really takes. I think, I think the conversion mindset is actually really arrogant. And I had it for years where I really thought that I was going to be the one that like, yeah, and it's this, something. it's disingenuous. It's like <laughs> my exactly. kindness comes with a price tag. Like this relationship totally. feels like it comes with a price tag. Totally. And it's like, as if I can do that, as if I can convert someone. I have done this yeah. <laughs> long enough to know that no one converted me. I had an, a powerful interaction with the Holy Spirit when I was a little kid. And again, when I was a teenager, no one, no one did it. People came alongside me for sure. But I have no agenda to convert anyone because I just think it's so arrogant to think that I could. You know, yeah, like, I, I have moments when I can't even win myself to Jesus. So <laughs> the thing that I'm like necessarily killing it for everybody else, but I really think this part of it is just like, it doesn't have to be this grandeur, but just start. 
you know, just like start to be someone who is available. Like I, 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 that seems so trite. And yet I think it's the most important thing. Like you're saying in your name, like with the people around you, like whether it's your neighborhood or the people you work with, uh, just even being the person who's willing to go out of their way to speak life and encouragement and uh, truth and openness and availability. Uh, I just think that's when God shows up and does you want a his quick, best stuff. You want a quick trick that may help people open that door? Yeah, totally. So one of the, it, it's the number one way that you can tell if someone is interested in getting to know you. Okay. Number one way is that when they ask you a question that you ask them the same question back. Okay. So for example, if I'm meeting uh, someone and I say to them, Oh, Hey, how's your day going? And they say, good. <laughs> yeah. They're not interested in getting to know me. Okay. But if my neighbor says, Hey, how's your day going? I have it in me. I just going to repeat the question back. It's going good. How's yours? And sometimes you can get a little tongue tied just because, you know, social stuff is hard. It can be. Um, especially when we haven't seen humans forever. But yeah, if you're like, how do I show people that I'm interested in? Just mirror whatever they've asked you and genuinely care about their answer. And uh, it's a quick trick and it shows. So now when you ask someone a question, they don't ask it back. You're going to be like, (gasps) (laughs) scandalized, absolutely scandalized. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Laura, if you could speak to your younger self and you're not old, but if you could speak to your, uh, just got out of school, starting your career, starting your life self, what would you say to yourself? Oh, well, I would say ambition is dangerous. Don't trust it. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> yeah, I would say, cause I think in my twenties, I wanted to build something amazing. Um, and it was actually just really quite arrogant and it doesn't mean that God couldn't do something through it. it doesn't mean God couldn't use my life, but that ambition can make you cross boundaries with yourself. It can make you give up margin. It can make your relationships really unhealthy. Um, for me, it was ambition. Okay. I think capitalism supports ambition. So I think it's like really reinforced, especially in your twenties, because a lot of people in their twenties are feeling the angst of I finished school. I got to like, do this, do that, do this, do that. And it's like, honestly, none of it matters. None of it matters. I mean, it does, but it really doesn't, you know, um, I would say figure out instead of, so along with that, what I've done to try to change that is instead of being ambition and goal driven, I've had to change and be about values. So my life is not about attaining goals. My life is about every day, any decision I make, any interaction I have, having that line up with values that I have. Mm-hmm. And so for me now in my thirties, my values are, to be present, right? To be present with my kids, to be present with my family, to be available, right? Where um, to never be in a place where I could be interrupted. That's a value I have. That one's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Because you do feel, especially with children, I feel interrupted 24 seven, but to be so present that there's no such thing as an interruption and to be a neighbor, um, and then Sabbath, those are the life values that I've learned from my twenties. Cause if it's all about goals, you just run and you may get them, but you've killed something or someone's in the process. But if it's about the values that you have, those values are what I want out of my deathbed to say, you know, I don't care what I achieved. I don't care what I made. I don't care what I have to show for it but I lived my life with these values and that is fundamentally who I am. And hopefully that lines up with who God wanted me to be right. Or had designed me to be. So I would say, that's what I would say to my 20 year old self. I made so many mistakes and I probably still am. I'm excited to, I hear forties are even better. And then your fifties are even more amazing than your sixties. I'm like, man, if you get more free from all this stuff every year, bring on the wrinkles and the sagging and all of it. I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And I think there's a part of this season of life is it feels like there's uh, a lot of pressure for answers. And I've just learned you don't get those very easily. No, there's there's no answers. There's there's no answers. answers. (laughs) (laughs) There are no answers. And it's not necessarily 
Like, I, I don't know. Once you once you arrive somewhere, there's always another flag post. Like there's always the next thing. So I don't know. I like goals. goals are great. And I understand why they're reinforced culturally, because we need people to be capital hungry for capitalism to work. That's sociology. We can put in on it. But values are what your faith can line up with. And it's how you can make decisions moment by moment that aren't about a hustle, but are about yeah. presence. Yeah. If you have goals with no values, you're in for a rough spot. And so I think there's a part, and this might be a good season for that. Like, have you ever thought in your brain, like there's a lot of people who feel like their life's been put on pause. And there's a lot of people who are their life has kind of been put on pause, the life they had planned. And oh, yeah. that's a realigning season, realign with good value good community, good people, and then reshape whatever your goals are going to be from yeah, that place. Totally. I think it's, yeah. I think it's exciting. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of people who will, will not go back to life the way it used to be. No, I that's never, probably a good let thing. me put it this way. I never ever want to go back to who I was before COVID because God has rattled it shook in it, reinforced things, revealed how unhealthy that lifestyle was. And this feels like a sabbatical, a Sabbath article <laughs> where it's just like, okay, what, what is a pace that glorifies you after this is open after totally. we go up from this? So, well, yeah. Laura, <laughs> we'll let you get back to that pace. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, always have so much wisdom and being available. Look, the values are all lining. We really Except appreciate it. I did it. text you last night because I hadn't washed my face or showered for two days and my kids weren't sleeping and I said I can't do it tonight. So I was not meeting my value last night. No, no one. No, it's fine. No one's perfect. I know, I'll but every time I'm open, I confess. Laura is my neighbor. I'll come over with a bag of chocolate. You can eat the, all of it. It'll just be great. It'll be amazing. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Laura. I appreciate it so much. And uh, for everybody else, back to the cast. Well, huge thank you to Laura for joining us. Always an honor to have you with us. We haven't had Laura uh, back with the Young Life family. They came to my first ever Young Life conference uh, and they were amazing then. And they're still amazing now. And actually, they're my neighbor. They live down the street uh, from where I live. And uh, even as Michaela was pregnant and getting ready to have this baby, there are people who just loved on us. And so they were the first, she was the first person that came to my mind when I was trying to think of someone who goes out of the way to love their neighbor. And so our last question as we leave tonight, and uh, I know we got a lot to think about from uh, just the amazing stuff that Laura shared, but uh, when's the last time that you've blessed someone just to bless them? And what could you do for your neighbors in the next week? That's, that's the question I want to ask as we leave. What's the, when's the last time you guys just bless someone to bless them? Um, can't remember exactly, but recently um, I went to lunch with a buddy and we were just in line and he had, I had ordered my food and then he was still like uh, getting his food ready and stuff like they were making it or whatever. And then I just like grabbed it for him, just paid, it, paid for it. And I don't yeah. know, awesome. something simple. Don't doubt that they have small beginnings there, Jake. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. What about you guys? Um, I sh shoveled the driveway uh, last winter. That's uh... <laughs> last winter. Oh, like just like a few months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <A year> ago. <laughs> One year ago. I shoveled About the a year ago, I shoveled the driveway. Yeah. About a year ago, I shoveled this guy's driveway. No, no. My back I still hurts. Myself. My back. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Elliot? Yeah, no, I think this. Uh, I was thinking the same thing that Jake was talking about where like me and my friends, also my brothers, probably we owe like amongst like ourselves, we probably owe ourselves like thousands of dollars worth of money just based on like, if somebody just needs food and they don't got money right now, being like, I got you. Yeah. And then it's just passing around. So it's just showing those little acts of kindness just each time. And like, not holding grudges being like, you owe me this, right. you owe me that. No, it's just blessing people for the sake of blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's being, um, willing to jump into when an opportunity presents itself. Like you yeah, guys are saying, yeah. like every kind of moment, it's like, look, someone else could do this, but I could do this. And I think yeah. that's what it means to not just be all talk, you know, being people who are like, what's it going to cost me? Like, I want to be the person who wants to jump in, not the person who's going to leave it for the next person. Whether that's like, I don't know, like whatever, whatever it might be. Sometimes they're big things. Sometimes they're like these tiny little things. Uh, the other day I was heading to the church 
And someone ahead of me who I don't know who it was paid for my uh, breakfast that morning at the, in the drive-thru. And so when I got to the window, I was like, oh, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. And so I paid. Pay I was it. like, oh, like I'll just pay for the person behind me and pulled up my debit card. And their order was like $43 at Tim Hortons. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I tapped it. I was like, I lost the lottery on this one, but it's <laughs> like, it's fine. And I think, I think there's a posture of our life that we have to prepare to be generous in moments where we want to step in and do something right. Yeah. Like to have an open hand to say, look, like what this, what is this? It's just my, like, I'm not saying go broke, but it's just money. Like at yeah. the end of the day, like what does it really cost me? And you know what I got out of it? I got out of the fact of being like, Hey, that like how much a greater blessing is that for them? They're like, well, I kind of ordered a lot of food. That person still paid for it. Yeah, Whatever thank you it for might buying be. my Tim Scott. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was me. I, the, Tim's for your whole family, I hope. Yeah. But no, was- like, I, I think there's something in our life to plan to be generous and to anticipate sacrifice and say, yeah, I, I want to do that. And there's, there's uh, a mindset that we can have where we say, I want to be intentional about being a person of sacrifice. And so my challenge to everybody this week is simply this. Mikhail and I are going to do it. I mentioned my Young Life download. We're going to go to Tim Hortons, get a 10 pack of Tim Bits. It really costs you next to nothing. We're going to write a handwritten note. Hey, we're Scott and Mikhail. We live at, I live at 88 Girdwood Drive. Everyone wants to come hang out. Oh, maybe not right <laughs> now, but regularly. Yeah. Um, Scott's going to get let you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wanted to let you know that we're thinking of you, uh, praying for you. And uh, here's our cell phone number, which I will not be giving out at the moment. And <laughs> and just drop it off. Just a small gesture. You know, like I think half the battle is just being willing to open doors in our life and allow God to create an opportunity to like go and serve and love and, and show our lives to people. You know what I mean? Like, but if we never open the door and we never throw out an invitation, you know, we're, we can't be surprised when opportunities don't come our way. And so it would be people yeah. who are postured to make the sacrifice and postured to try and make the difference. And I trust that as we do, you know, this lockdown season doesn't have to be terrible. It could be maybe something that God uses to grow a community around you. You know, the people who live nearby and, yeah. and maybe for the first time you get to know them on a next level and, and you get to be involved in their life in a new way. Well, uh, so glad that you join us tonight. Go grab a pack of Timbits, write a note, Say hi to your neighbor, whatever it might be. Next winter, shovel the driveway. Aiden always does one big shovel a year. That's his thing. That seems to work out well for him. Uh, But we're so glad you join us this week at the Young Life Podcast. And we'll see you next Monday night at 730. Bye for now.